Good morning. My name is Jerry Green, and it's always a privilege and an honor to preach here at my home church, Grace Covenant Church. If you're new here, welcome. If, you've, um, if you're here visiting, I'm glad that you uh, chose Grace Covenant Church to be a place of worship today. We're going to continue Pastor Brett, our lead pastor, our head pastor, his sermon series on stewardship. And um, we're in the second phase of this, and we're going to talk about how to really steward the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also to steward our resources. And so this sermon, if, um, if you listen to it with, without being on both sides of the spectrum, you may think that this is about giving um, and, and tithes and offering and give the church your money, give the church your money. Um, and so maybe if you can zoom out a little bit, you can see that this, this is about that. <laughs> but it's also about a lifestyle uh, of someone who has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, let's turn uh, our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. Today we're going to study the Corinthian church and the encouragement that they received from Paul, who was the apostle, the one who planted that church, in order for them to trust God, steward resources well, and be fruitful for the kingdom. <clears throat> so today's message will be titled, The Value of the Seed. The Value of the Seed. And we'll talk about planting seeds, the passion in planting seeds, and then the provision that comes from a seed that's planted well. So before we get into the scripture, let's talk about seeds. Seeds are so simple yet complex. It's amazing how something so small can produce some of the largest natural structures on earth. There are so many things that are packed inside of a seed, yet the process of its production takes time. It blows my mind that something seemingly dead or useless contains so much life inside. Raise your hand if you've been transformed by the seed of God. See, we were once dead and useless, but there's something happened on the inside of us when we realized the revelation of Jesus Christ coming into the earth, doing what only he could do, doing what we needed him to do, and that transformation came. And so when a seed goes into soil, something dramatic, something incredible starts to take forth, uh, take place in that soil, and then something grows. But know this, that little seed right there has to be planted. A seed does, does you no good in your hand, in your pocket. That seed has to be planted. Thank God Almighty, he planted the seed of the gospel in our hearts. Thank God Almighty that he planted the seed of the gospel in our hearts. Okay, is it going to be like that today? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 9. The point is this, Paul says to the Corinthian church, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, verse 7, must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, someone say God is able, to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it is written, verse 9. He is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the seed of the gospel. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, last week was Easter Sunday and we didn't forget. We're still claiming Jesus Christ as the risen King. Lord, it's just as re relevant today as it was last Sunday. We thank you for the saints that decided to come back because we know some folks don't after Easter Sunday. And so we're going to ask for your power to move on us who were responsible and responded well to what we believe is the truth, the gospel. Amen. Amen. 
got to throw that in there every now and then. You know, y'all didn't have to come back, but you decided to come back. Praise God for that. And for those of you who are not here, I'm, I know they can't hear me, but we'll see you next year. All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so we're going to talk about planting. Planting. So let's, let's, let's zoom out and look at this first part, which is a, a sermon or verse that's been uh, repeated so many times. Sowing, you reap what you sow, sowing sparingly, sowing abundantly, reaping. We've been talking about that all our lives, especially if you were raised in the church. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like to plant well, what it looks like to plant well. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Sowing, the Corinthian church had experienced Paul the Apostle for a year and six months. That's second to Ephesus, the the church of Ephesus, meaning that they were really intimate and relational with the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine if Paul came and spent a year and a half with us as a church? Wouldn't we be empowered wouldn't, wouldn't there be all sorts of miracle signs? I feel like, like, you know how traffic is really bad trying to come into here to park, especially at the 1045. I feel like people wouldn't care about it, right? They'd be like, hey, it's, a, it's traffic shut down all the way down 28, but Paul the Apostle's here, and he's, I don't know how long he's going to be here, but something's going to happen. But the Corinthian church was not like that. They acted wild, foul, and all sorts of crazy. And, and, and when he left, it urged him to have to write not one, not two, but three letters to them, uh, we know of, two, we have two um, in the Bible. And so he was constantly trying to get them to course correct, to get them back in alignment with the call of God on their lives. And so they got to know Paul so well, yet Paul didn't even know if he could depend on them for resources. It's like a family member that you'd like to believe they'd help you out in time of need. A cousin, a best friend, you'd like to believe it, but you don't really know because of some of their ways. You got to say ways like that because you, you, as I say it, you're thinking, man, who do I? Don't think about that person right now. <laughs> so here's what Paul was doing. There was a great famine uh, in Jerusalem. And so the Jewish believers, they needed, they needed a lot because they were basically in deep poverty. And so Paul, uh, who was really charged to go lead and, and preach and serve the Gentile churches, he had established many churches. And so he was going to the churches that he had established, collecting resources so that he could support those who were in need. It was a phenomenal uh, campaign. So as he was support, uh, uh, raising the support, the Corinthian church said, we're going to do this. We're, we're, a part, we're on board with this mission. We believe. You know what? We're going to do the pledge card. And we're going to pledge all year long. We're really, we're really going to pledge cards when we're doing a campaign, raising money, and then you do a pledge. You know what I'm talking about. So they wrote out, out their pledge cards and said, God, we're, we're, we're standing in the gap. We're going to do something. But for some strange reason, is, uh, though they were so enthusiastic about giving, uh, even to the point where other believers were encouraged and stirred up to, to get to action, they were active and willing in the spirit, but they were undisciplined in the flesh. They were willing. It's like, I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow early in the morning and go to the gym. But then you wake up tomorrow late in the morning, and you don't go to the gym. It's like, I want it. I want it so bad. Raise your hand if you've said something maybe in the last 30 days. I'm going to do this. I want to do this. Raise your hand. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not gonna tell you to put your hand up to say that you didn't. I just want to see how many people are saying, I'm going to do it. So what we have in this room is a whole bunch of committed people, right? Okay? Just blink twice. You, no one next to you can see you. I can see you if, if you need to, if you're struggling with your commitments right now. 
And so here you have this church who said, we're going to do this. We're about the kingdom. We're going to produce so that, so that no believer will be in need. We're going to put our hands to the plow for this great mission. But for some reason, they were disorganized. They hadn't raised up what they needed to raise up. They hadn't given what they said that they were going to give. And so Paul writes to them here in 2 Corinthians saying, I heard that you said this. I, I know that you want to. And I'm, I'm sending some folks to come collect. But I, I don't necessarily know if it's going to all be there. So I'm writing you right now to inform you that it's time now to get serious about what you said you were going to do. That's why he goes on to say those who sow sparingly will, will reap sparingly. Because he's saying as you're preparing to get ready to sow, don't allow these outside things to influence or, or negatively impact what you're going to give. Because maybe you're thinking of, maybe you have a lack of faith. And how many of you guys know without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God may be calling you to do something or give something, but because you don't have that faith, you're not going to see it all the way through. <clears throat> Maybe it's their feelings. Now, for those of you who know the book of Corinthians, you know that there was a lot of rifts between Paul and, and, and the Corinthian church. Why was that? They, they didn't believe uh, that, that he was, uh, sometimes they thought that his morals were off. Sometimes they thought that his, motive, his motives were off. Sometimes they even questioned the authenticity of his apostleship. So constantly they were allowing other people to define who he was to them. And then they would go back to him and check him with what someone else said. And so Paul was often trying to convince and reassure and love and bless and try to get them back into the fold. Maybe, we don't know this for fact, but maybe in their feelings, in their emotions, and I, can't, I don't know if I can trust him, maybe they didn't give. How many people do we know that say, oh, I don't know what they're going to do with my money? I don't know where this is going. I, my, my emotions, my feelings. We're overriding the call of God to give to his church to advance his kingdom because of our feelings. I once read this. Well, you know, the church down the street, they had that situation. So I'm allowing all of my feelings and my emotions to keep me from being in alignment with what God has called me to do. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was desperation. This one I can uh, definitely uh, relate to. Maybe they were just broke. And so, I'm not saying I'm broke, but sometimes I feel like it. And sometimes I am. But maybe they were saying, <laughs> I got to check my account right now after this sermon just to make sure where we at. Can I get an amen if you've been? Oh, okay. Now we want to connect. We talk about us being broke. Now it's like, yeah, we family. I'm broke too. <laughs> Let's just be broke together. <laughs> Oh, where do we even go from there? It wasn't in my notes, so I'm trying to... Uh, okay, so, so here, we have, here we have a church that's wrestling before giving. And I feel like this we can relate so well with in the church today. As Ashley comes up here and shares her, her word of encouragement and direction on how we are to give, a lot of us are wrestling in these seats. Should I give? Let me check my bank account first. Well, do I trust? Do I know? Will God provide? Why do I have to give anyway? Let me look in the scriptures and see if I need to. I mean, whatever you're doing in those seats during that time, uh, we're wrestling with a lot of these things. And so sometimes because of those feelings or those fears, we sow sparingly and then we don't see the reaping of the harvest. So reaping what? 
let me, let, me, let me ask, what causes us to sow bountifully so that we can reap bountifully? I believe just as much as we're talking about the importance of sowing a seed, tithing, offering, giving, supporting missionaries, supporting missions, supporting the next campaign, as much as we're talking about the seed that God has called us to give, there's a greater seed that impacts us from the inside out that then would lead us to give. And that seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the church was birthed out of giving. We are in these seats because someone gave. The Bible says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? Then John 14, 15, if you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 2, 43, everyone, now th- after God uh, gave us Jesus, then after Jesus uh, prayed, to, uh, prayed to the Father and we received the Holy Spirit, then we have the, the actual manifestation of these promises in the early church, Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. What does that mean? It means what it says in, in, in 45. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. We are only a product of gifts and giving. If we are not giving, then we are not doing what God has called us to do. It's in our DNA to give. We are givers. We are not called to receive, though it's because he's rich in mercy and he's so gracious, we receive a lot from him. Thank God that we've received what we have today. Who's thankful for what they have right now? And so as we're growing in sowing, we have to know this, that you can't give what you don't have. And so the only reason why I'm empowered to give is because God has already empowered me by the blood of Jesus on the cross, what we celebrated. That gospel has transformed me from the inside out. So I can give and I can give out of freedom because I've received something from God. It's hard to give when you don't know for sure if something else is coming. It's hard to give if you don't trust the person that you're giving to. It's hard to give when you don't have a deep connection with God because it's about you at that point. See, this isn't about money. This is about control. Sometimes when you preach, you got to be quiet. And so that whatever you just said, you don't have to repeat it again. You just let it just sit there. It's like marinating a steak. You just let it, you just throw something on it. And then you just let it sit. Not about money, but about control. Who's in control in our lives? I have to ask myself that often. Is Jared in control or is God in control? Well, then we go into passion. After talking about planting, he says in verse 7, each one must give as he has decided or purpose, my version says purpose, in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's break this down. Purposed, desired in the heart. Purpose comes from impact. When the Spirit of God 
leaves an impression on us, we become empowered to live out our calling. If you're wondering where your purpose is, why don't I have purpose? Why don't I feel meaningful? It's because you haven't gone to the originator of purpose. Because when you sit at the feet of Jesus, when you get into the throne room and you get empowered by the purpose of God, you realize, oh, it's not about my profession. Oh, it's not about what I have. It's about being in alignment with the originator, the creator of purpose, so that all my purpose is, is to glorify him. And all I care about is finding ways that I can be more purposeful with my life because my life is a pointing is a pointer right back to the king that's why I believe the most second generation farmers continue in their parents footsteps because of the intimacy that took place when they were young think about it you've got farmers third generation fourth generation fifth generation people who just stayed right there they could have sold the land but here's what I believe And this can be applied to any other uh, job that, that someone has done with their father or mother. It's something about years and years of walking with daddy or mommy down the row, sowing seed, hoping, trusting, then reaping a harvest, and doing that continual for, for, continually for a long period of time. And so the sowers, the planters, the farmers, they are not satisfied with what they reap. They're satisfied with the intimacy that happens when they sow. Are you listening to me? I sound like Pastor Brown. Are you listening to me? I don't, I don't, listen. When I'm doing it, it's the process. And the process is, is building up intimacy with God. And as I'm growing in intimacy with God, I have completely forgot about the process. I'm just sowing now because now it's just a behavior. It's a practice. It's a habit. So when we get in the habit of getting intimacy, intimate with God, then the byproduct of that habit is all of the resources that come. But we don't do it for the resources. We don't do it for the sowing. We do it because we're with Daddy. And regarding the purpose, Paul says, the, the purposes of your heart. I don't think that Paul trusted the Corinthians enough or would even say, give according to what you feel like your heart, your purposes. I don't think that's how this thing reads. I think that Paul was encouraging them really to follow the Holy Spirit, but to be firm in their convictions. See, the purpose was planted by God and we respond in faith to that purpose. And so it's not about how you feel or give according to what you'd like. It's what has Jesus said to you? What, ha what is your response or your reaction uh, uh, to the gospel? And so from that, whatever it is, be firm in it, stay true to it and then give giving is a response to an expression of the love of God we give because we're first given to and it's hard to be reluctant when you're giving when you've received revelation it's hard I mean imagine imagine someone saved your life imagine you were out at the mall and someone opened fire and some stranger came and saved your life and that person lived to tell about it. Imagine if that person said, hey, let's go out to lunch. Would you say, oh yeah, uh, you got it. <laughs> no, I got it. Matter of fact, I'll pick you up. Where are you at? Matter of fact, I'll take you back. Matter of fact, I'm gonna take you shopping before we go back. You're gonna do everything because that you know what happened. You knew that there was something super incredible, something amazing, and that person did something on the inside of you. It's not even about lunch anymore. You're not even gonna, gonna lower the standard of your relationship with that person to one act of giving. You're gonna say, I'm gonna live a lifestyle that pleases you because of what you did for me. <clears throat> It's like a wave. The clap started from here, then it went over there. It's like, they got the revelation first. And then, 
<laughs> Compulsion to devotion. So here we are as believers today in America feeling compelled to give. But Jesus says, where our treasure is, there too our heart will be. And so the love that informs us really empowers us to care less about the actual gift. And that's why when we cry out, Abba, Father, when it's a relational thing, giving is secondary, relationship is primary. And anybody here ever been to a fundraiser or a banquet and they start handing out those, those cards? How much are you going to give? You're like, uh, look, I'm not even supposed to be here tonight. <laughs> this is my wife's job. I'm just here. <laughs> or my business, they just told us we all need to go there, and, and y'all are doing it at Morton's, so I'm just here for the food. Like, I didn't know y'all were going to have an ask. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> Maybe that's not you. That's okay. I'm coming for all of us today. Maybe that's not you, okay? Maybe you're walking out of Giant, and the little Girl Scout girl comes. <laughs> See, look, now I got you. Now I got you. Hey, can you help support the Girl Scouts? Uh, you, I'm going to go in, and then on my way out, see if I can get some change. I'll see you in a little bit. Now you're looking for a back door. <laughs> hey, I need to leave out the back because my car parked in the back way, so I need to go around. That's compulsion right there. Social media posts, please give to cousin Charlie who needs to get into school and blah, blah, blah. And that is your cousin. And you saw the post. You want to act like you didn't see the post. You want to unsee the post. Man, I know I got to give them something. And now they got all this stuff you can, they can like read and they can see and the analytics. Like they know how much you gave. So now like Jared gave $1.75. So now I can't give a little bit. I got to give a lot because it's on social media now. I don't know who's looking. So now I got to feel compelled to give this $100. Have we been there before? <laughs> I'm preaching to a lot of people right now. <laughs> but here's what I found regarding all of that. When we are not in alignment with the mission, it becomes a chore. But the mission births motivation. And so Paul wanted the Corinthians to be all in for the gospel. And so here's what's different with the gospel and all those other things. The gospel directly impacts us. You might not have a child that's going to be in Girl Scouts. You, not, you might not be affected by that mission or whatever that group is that's asking you to, to give to that certain thing. You might not be affected at that table for that reason. You might not be affected directly by that social media campaign. But we are all affected by the power of Jesus. We're all affected by what he's done. And so I have to align with the mission. It's not Girl Scout cookies. No shade to them. And they're great, by the way. It's not about whatever mission. Someone clap to that. It's not about the mission. That <laughs> It's not. No, I said someone did clap to that about Girl Scout cookies. Whatever that's, if that's your calling, walk in it. But whatever it might be that you feel compelled, it's way different than the gospel of Jesus Christ because we received that and now we have defeated death through Christ Jesus. And so there's so much holding on, there's so much weight in this in our response to the gospel. Paul's goal was not for the Corinthians just to give a lot. His, his, his goal was for them to surrender everything. Because if I surrender to Jesus, then giving is no longer a big deal. 
I think the problem with the church in America isn't the gifts. It's not the lack of giving. It's that we haven't surrendered. And so we've allowed money or resources or our control to become our God. And we put that over God. And so God's not really our God. But when we need him, we sprinkle a little Jesus over whatever our situation is. And then when we come into the church, it's like, uh, I ain't got it. Then he tells us to be cheerful givers. So I got this story. I've got three daughters, one on the way, 4G network. Someone, <laughs> someone else last week called me 4K, four kids. And so, my, so, so two of them, my, my, my third, I can't really put her in this because I haven't seen that fruit in her life yet. We're waiting for that. She's one. And we're waiting for God to, to mature her in this, in this area. So stay with me. Alana and Bailey, my, my oldest two, my older two. <laughs> Uh, they love to share with me. They love to share with me. They deeply desire to share with me. I mean, if they're eating a candy bar, if they're eating anything, dad, bite it. If they, <laughs> and I bite it. It's gross, but I bite it. <laughs> if, if they've got a, a bunch of goldfish in a bag, dad, try a goldfish. This is the new flavor that mom just got it. If they, if they have a new bicycle, dad, ride on my bike. I can't fit, but they just want, they want to, to include me in the process of whatever they're doing because they deeply desire to please me. And so regardless of what they have, even if they only have one more small little goldfish, they'll break that bad boy in half just so that I can get a taste because they know I don't deserve this. This is my daddy. He provided this. And so maybe they don't know that, but we should know that regarding God. But maybe they're just thinking, I love daddy so much. Let's, let's stick with that one. I love daddy so much that it's, this just isn't for me to enjoy. As a matter of fact, it blesses me to enjoy it with him because I just want to be closer to him. Let's stick on that one. I want to be closer to him because when I eat with dad, there's something that's happening. It's bigger than what we're eating. It's bigger than where we got the food from. It's some sort of unique connection that I have. And so every time I give to him, we get closer. So every time we give to God, we're getting closer to God. Amen. You wonder why God feels so far away because you're grabbing your pockets and you can't run when you're holding your pants like that. You got to let go and so that you can get that full stride. Oh, man. <laughs> so just write this down if you're taking notes. A cheerful giver is a transformed believer. A cheerful giver is a transformed believer. Don't ask how much you have to give. Ask how much he did for you. Because once you start to go deep into those places and you start to raise your hand and worship uh, God for all that he's done and all that, all who he is, all that he is to you, it's not even about that anymore. It's about intimacy. We close with this. And God is able, verse 8, to make all grace abound to you. So that having, see, we, this is where we're trending upwards now. I, we had to get beat up a little bit about the giving part. But now we can talk about the provision part. So as God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. That seems like all the time, everywhere, everything. He, uh, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Amen. We are not called to grow seed. We are called to sow seed. See, one man plants, one man waters. God provides the increase. We're not called to grow it. Matter of fact, after we release it, we have done our job. So after we sow, 
we are depending on him to grow. But one thing I know is we're not called to grow. We're called to sow. But the only thing we shouldn't do is have no seed. <laughs> for, the, for the cat in the hat folks in the, in the children's section, I got you. <laughs> so let's break this down and I'm getting out of here. So, so... <laughs> So provision, provision. One thing that we must know and we must repeat to ourselves, we can sing it to ourselves, believe it, but just keep on faithing it until it becomes a reality on the inside of us, that God is able. Someone say it right now, God is able. So what you just said, you just declared that even though you, ha- you lack some things, God's able to rest- rest- restore, he's able to provide, he's able to replenish even when you give the little that you had. God is able. That's what you just, you just declare that out of your mouth. And what you're also saying is even though it doesn't even look right, God can, can change and transform everything where it looks just right. That's what you just declared. Sometimes we think, man, I don't know if, if God, maybe it's not in his will, but guess what? I just want to be in his will. So if it's not in his will, he's going to provide in another way. So you're saying God is able to make a way out of no way. God is able to provide even though I feel like I don't know what's coming next. I don't know well, where my next payment, where my next meal is coming from. Wherever it is, God is able. And so I'd rather trust God who is able than Jared who is, <laughs> for whatever word you want to say, trifling, not able, has no power, just thinks that he's got it going on. No, God is able. Who wants to choose God over them? You've been with you for a long time, and you have let you down, just like I have let me down. But I know who has never let us down. And so, glory to God. Second thing, these three, God is able. Secondly, when grace abounds, when grace abounds, we trust that God wants his will to be done. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. So as we serve and as we trust God and as we advance the kingdom with the gospel, his kingdom comes, his will, his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's allowing us to partner with him so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, he will provide for you because he needs his kingdom to come. It's not even about you and I. He needs his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's going to provide and 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 sustain us to make us sufficient in all things because he needs his mission done. See, when we think about it as as our personal needs, as as what we lack, then we miss out on the the greater picture, the the master plan, the great mission. See, I know God's gonna provide. Why? Because his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a different concept because Paul is here saying this. Remember, all sufficiency, all things, all times, so that you may abound in what? Every good work, every good work. So I need you to get this work done, so I'm gonna give you what you need so that you can get it done. You guys know what we're talking about. Some of y'all started a job and they gave you a laptop, they gave you a phone, they gave you a desk, they gave you an office, some of them even gave you a car. Whatever it is, they gave you something because they provided what was necessary so that they could get the job done. 
And so how much more does God who provides all of our needs because he needs to get something done and he allows us to be partnered in that, he's going to give us all we need. Our spiritual laptop, our spiritual cell phone, our spiritual office. That's your quiet place where you can get in the presence of the Lord. Wherever it is, that's what you need. So he's going to provide all those things so that you can ultimately fulfill his promise and his purpose so the kingdom will be advanced. It's not about what you lack. It's about the mission. And the more you get in alignment with the mission, the more comes the provision. And lastly, remember, free is never free. Free is never free. Because there is always a payment. It just might not be out of our account. Someone paid it, though. Someone paid it. You're sitting at a restaurant, someone pays for your food. Man, thank you. It's free? No, it ain't free. That brother's walking out right now, just paid for it. <laughs> you go to Chick-fil-A, they give you some, some extra sauce. It ain't free. That's coming out of the budget. <laughs> but they're holy, so God will provide there. <laughs> Why do I do that? We need to stay on point so I can close. I just had to do that. You know, Chick-fil-A, you just got to go. Um, you just got to go there. You can't let that, let that slide. Never let Chick-fil-A, a Chick-fil-A joke go in the church. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so what we know to be true is that the gift from God is a free gift to us, but he paid it all. And so because of what he paid, we respond accordingly. And we love him with all our hearts, minds, souls, and pockets. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We don't know what you kept us from last night even. We don't know what you saved us from yesterday or last week. So we thank you for being the master provider, Abba Father. We thank you for the resources. Even if we feel like we don't have enough, you gave us what we have right now. And so we worship you and thank you for being our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, we ask by the power of God that we be transformed because of the great seed of the gospel. That we would not be those who sow sparingly because we don't trust you but we would sow bountifully according to what your spirit has purposed in our hearts so that we can be more intimate with you and come into alignment with your perfect plan and your perfect will. Lord, help us as we grow and as we go as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ for us to continue to serve you with all of our hearts because you loved us first.